Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, whatever time and however you're listening to this. Thank you for tuning in to Last Word Productions again. I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. Now, I want to apologize in advance if you all hear any dis- disruptive noise in the background and things like that. But, you know, this is the best I have as of now. But, you know, I'm always bringing you all content. I'm always trying to put out things. I know I've been slacking in the past month or so but now that i'm back i'm i will be going <clears throat> i will be giving out more content more of my podcast content specifically every monday and wednesday so if you tuned into the show thank you for having me back and let's get started i want to jump right off into some nfl news espn had put out a a recent updated power rankings for the top 10 NFL teams. Well, they do it for all the teams, but we're going to discuss the top 10 teams. And I want to discuss who I think should be in the top 10 and who shouldn't be in the top 10. So we're going to start off first with the Pittsburgh Steelers is at number one, Kansas City Chiefs at two, Green Bay Packers at three, New Orleans Saints at four, Baltimore Ravens five, the Buccaneers six, Bills seven, Cardinals eight, Rams 9, and the Seattle Seahawks 10. All right, so it's two teams here that I strongly believe should either not be in the top 10 or they should be on their way out of the top 10. And to me, that's the Seahawks and that's the Buccaneers. Now, I'm going to start with the Buccaneers because I know a lot of people are going to feel a way about me saying that. But to me, the Buccaneers have been the most up and down, inconsistent team throughout this season. I mean, if you look at it, they almost lost to a Giants team that, it to me, is putrid. Like, Dave Jones, he's looked good the past two weeks. I give him that. He hasn't turned the ball over. He's led this team to victory, and they're looking like they can make a run to actually win the NFC East. But Dave Jones played absolutely terrible. The I believe that was a Monday night game. It was either Monday night or Sunday night game. They played, <clears throat> they played the Buccaneers, and he lit, all he literally had to do was make two, one or two throws, and that game could have easily went the Giants' way. I mean, he had Darius Slay, Slayton running open on, I believe, two different go routes. He had Sterling Shepard on one. He didn't connect on one until later into the game. And even when they had got the score to tie the game up, his touchdown to go to tape, he failed to make a simple throw that could have converted a two-point conversion that could have forced overtime. So not only did he fail to make the throws that could have won the game, first off, he failed to make the one throw that could have tied the game and gave them another second a second win to win. And it... it to me, that's about you. When you're that talented of a team like the Bucks are, I mean, they have all pro receivers at every single receiver position. The slot, their receiver two, their receiver one. They have one K yard in both all three positions and at the tight end position, Rob Gronkowski. And they have OJ Howard, who they lost the injury now. Of course, he's out for the season. But they still have another good solid backup in Cameron Bray. I mean, this is a team. When you look at it, on the offensive side of the ball especially, because they have time on the defense side as well, but on the offensive side of the ball, they are completely loaded. And I'm not ignoring that, that they are loaded. But 
This is a very undisciplined team at times. They get costly penalties, and they play down to a lot of their opponents. To me, the only teams they've looked mightily impressive against this year has been the Carolina Panthers, and it has been the Green Bay Packers. Now, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers played probably his worst game of the year that game. And Green Bay defense, I've been advocating for years, has been absolutely horrible. It's horrific. I mean, outside of maybe, maybe two, three players, Jay Alexander, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, you know, this, this to me, this defense isn't anything to really, you know, glorify or go on about. I mean, I like Kenny Clark. Can't stay healthy. Adrian Amos is a good safety, but he's not the the top of the criminal crop, you know, like he's not that. I think Darnell Savage is a good young safety, but he's still learning. He makes he makes a lot of mistakes that I think are coachable, and I don't think they have that in Green Bay. They they haven't developed talent in Green Bay for years. I mean, you want to look at Guys like Devontae Adams or Jay Alexander, okay, that's fine. But to me, these guys were good talents coming out of college. They had the talent to be what they are now. But when a guy is just strictly raw, you know, a guy who has all the tools to be good, I've seen multiple guys in and out of the Green Bay organization who didn't necessarily excel there but excel other places the perfect example of this is Micah Hyde I mean Micah Hyde was literally a slot guy for them and a hybrid type safety who you never would have guessed would have became a pro bowler all pro caliber safety like how he did with the Bills it was because the Bills had the they had the the team that helped him not only find his strengths but they helped him in, like enhance his weaknesses. So when I look at it from that, Green Bay isn't all that impressive to me. I'm sorry that I got off topic a little bit, but my point was the Buccaneers, to me, they're, they're sitting way out of the top 10. And then the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, I think they're figured out, man. They, they've lost three of their top running backs. Russell Wilson has not been the MVP he was to start the first week, first quarter of the season and <clears throat> he's simply turning the ball over too much and their defense is simply not good enough to be playing catch up they they can't stop anyone passing the ball anyone i mean it's, it's so bad to the point that you literally would know they're throwing the ball in them they still can't do nothing about it and some of these top end free agents they brought in through via trade or through free agency, they, they got to start questioning, man, because it's not looking good. I mean, Jamal Adams has been hurt, but when he has played, he's never been a coverage safety. So I'm not expecting him to go out there and suddenly become Earl Thomas in his prime or, you know, something like that. But he has to be better. Simply put, he has to be. I mean, it was several plays from, <clears throat> from the Rams game that I seen him just get absolutely – Washed in coverage on simple routes. I mean, I know you're not the the top guy when it comes to that, but you cannot be a, a liability consistently, especially after seeing what they gave up for you. 
I mean, you're supposed to be the in the one of the best, if not the best safety in this league. You can't be consistently beaten on out routes and in routes and straight up goals. Like you're you're a better athlete than that. You're a better player than that. And he should, he needs to start showing it. Same thing with Quentin Dunbar. I think Shaq Griffin. I think Shaquille Griffin is playing decent. I think he can play better. He has blown some coverages, but he's he's looking like their best DB. But Quentin Dunbar is out there getting roasted. I mean, outside of the Patriots games this year, to me, he hasn't looked good this year. I mean, he looked good against the Patriots, but that's that's not saying a lot, man. I mean, the Patriots' best receiver right now is is a converted is a converted QB QB um out of college and Myers, and so that's not really impressive to me that he looked good against a team that is clearly a run first team because they have that lack of threatening weapons out on the outside. So I think the Seahawks have figured out. I think their offense is starting to actually come back down to earth because of the fact that Russell, for one, Russell Wilson is not playing on his mind anymore. And two, their offense is is half a season of tape on it now. I mean, people are learning their tendencies. They're learning what they like to do. With the likes of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you know DJ Moore, these guys, they're starting to learn. And I'm in, in all honesty, man, it's it's not going to end well for the Seahawks or their fans if they don't start picking it back up as soon because they're in a tough division. I mean, the Rams, the Rams and the Cardinals, arguably might be what out of them two, they're one of the best teams in that division right now. I think the Seahawks can beat both teams, but. With the way their their defense is like struggling would be an understatement. The way their defense is being decimated on every given Sunday, I mean, it's 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 concerning, man. I mean, their defense is literally historically bad right now in terms of yards given up per game and passing yards given up per game. It's it's bad. It's horrible. It is horrible. Now I want to get into two teams who I think could have been added to the top ten. And I think that's the Indianapolis Colts and the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to start with the Indianapolis Colts because I feel as if this this is a team that's not getting much love because they're not playing explosive football. Excuse me, I'm sorry. They're not playing explosive football on the offensive side, and they're not necessarily doing it dynamically on the offensive side. So, I mean, it's hard to... It's hard for people to root for a team that's not explosive, like the Chiefs or the Ravens when they're all firing on all cylinders. You know, this is a team that plays fundamentally sound. They will beat you on the defensive side. I mean, I believe they had, a, if not the best defense, the second best defense in the league right now statistically. They have a great group of linebackers with Darius Leonard leading the charge. And them going out, <clears throat> them going out again, DeForest Buckner, I believe, who from the, the 49ers. I don't know. I always get it confused if it was DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead. But you you all know who I'm talking about. They went out and got him. I believe it was DeForest Buckner. And he's he's paid dividends, man. I mean, he came in day one at best de- defensive lineman. Battled some injuries a little bit, but, you know, he's back. And it's secondary, man. The side of Xavier Rose and Rocky Austin. These those these guys looking good, man. I mean, it's it's hard to run on them. 
is becoming even harder to pass on them by the week as these guys get more comfortable. So I mean, and then they have to me still the best offensive line in the game. So I mean, when you can play defense and you control the possession of the clock, I mean it's it's hard to beat any team when you could do those things because I mean for years with that Prescott and with Tony Romo in the league, we've seen the Cowboys literally do that. And it got them playoff spurts, and they made runs, even though they never made a play. I mean, a Super Bowl, they made impressive runs that had you thinking, man, this team is set up for success. I mean, we see how that's playing out, but still, it, they look good. When they when you can control the position of the clock, run the ball, and play good defense, it's, it's hard to beat a team like that. Then, going to the Miami Dolphins, to me, the Miami Dolphins are – the, is the team in the league that's the best at all three phases. The defense is playing exceptionally well. They're top five in every statistical category, this, I believe, the past five, six weeks. And I know that's – I know people are going to say, well, that's not taking in the whole, you know, season. But we got to remember, Byron Jones was out. <clears throat> And Byron Jones was this team top paid free agent. With him in the game, it's been an extreme difference. I know he struggled against the Cardinals, but with him and X are both on the field, man, 99% of the time, it's hard to complete passes. Kyler Murray just had a, a day, simply put, man. He he's he's a phenomenal talent. He's a great player and will be for a long time. But Kyler Murray had a day on them. And if you look at his last game against the Chargers, I mean, they absolutely took out Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, him and X. I know Keenan Allen had the last go-ahead touchdown. I know if people just look at the box score, they're going to be like, oh, well, Keenan Allen actually had a decent day. No, he, he didn't. He got a, a last-second garbage touchdown that absolutely meant nothing to the game. I don't even know why the Dolphins even went all out blitz. I, to me, if I would have just prevented another score. But, that you know, that's just me. And the offensive side of the ball, I think, I think is highly underrated. I think play calling is this team's biggest downfall right now. I still think, I still think Chan Gailey is doing a good job. I just, I just don't like how conservative he gets with a lead. I mean, you don't see teams like the Ravens or the Chiefs or. Even the Steelers, you don't see these teams let up because they're up 14 points. No, they're trying to put this game away early. And to me, Chan Gailey, he, he does that too much, man. And you, and you can't keep doing that against NFL teams because these guys are capable of making comebacks. I know we have a good defense, like I just said. But we have to start realizing that the defense is going to be games where this defense is going to struggle. We see it against the cards. They can't stop everybody every other possession or more than the possessions they do. I mean, you would like them to, but the reality is the, the other guys on the side of the ball get paid too. So you have to be aware of that. And to me, two people can say whatever they want about him, but Tua Tagovailoa has looked so he has looked extremely, extremely good. I mean, is he playing lights out? No. But he's doing precisely what they are asking him to do. He's not turning the ball over. He's not being a liability. And he's making every throw that he has. 
And even when the one game, he had to step up and make throws and make plays against the Cards to win that game on the road in his second start. He looked fantastic. I mean, he he people. It's like people forget he got the ball in the fourth quarter, had to go drive ninety three yards to retie the game, and then get the ball back and lead his team down the field for a game winning field goal. Basically, essentially, I mean. We haven't seen they can say whatever they want about Tua, but I haven't seen that out of Justin Herbert, nor have I seen it out of Joe Burrow. Not at least yet this season. Because at the end of the day, this guy's playing lights out. He's he's balling. I think Herbert is looking like the rookie offensive rookie of the year so far. But if if Tua continues his win streak, because right now he's three and zero, it's going to be hard for them not to consider him for the offensive rookie of the year. So I just want to get into that. I think those two teams are greatly underappreciated in the league. I think they deserve more love. I I think they're showing out against good caliber playoff teams too. I mean, the Dolphins are three and one against the NFC West, who many believe to be the best division in football, and. They were in the Seahawks game the entire game. If they could, if Ryan Fitzpatrick, when he was a starter, if he could literally have scored two more touchdowns in the red zone, the Dolphins win the game. And that's with Byron Jones out. So to me, man, I, I think I think the Dolphins are a way better team than what they're giving credit for right now. I think the Colts are a way better team than what they're giving credit for right now. I think both of them should be top 10 teams. I think the Bucks are on their way out. I still think you argue the Bucs are top 10 team because there's no there's no ignoring their talent. I mean, they're loaded. Running back, receiver. They got they got the quarterback that they were missing. They got they got great linebackers, man. I mean, Levante David and <clears throat> Devin White. That they're, they're probably the best linebacker tandem in the league. I, I like that secondary. It's young. It's fast. And Anton Winfield, man, he might be the defensive rookie of the year because he something special. I wanted the Dolphins to take him, but it ain't paying out that way. Okay, so moving on to the NBA news. I wanted to start off. I didn't want to go into the trades first. I wanted to start off with the in-game tournament that the league is presenting. And I believe... Is is they're going to they have announced the schedule format. So it says, and this is from a direct article news source, it says under the new format, the number seven and eight seeds in each conference will get two opportunities to win one game to earn a playoff spot. Meanwhile, the ninth and tenth teams in the standings will need to win two consecutive games to get a postseason berth. At the conclusion of the regular season, the number seven seed will host the eight seed and the Winners will clinch the seventh seed. The team with the ninth highest winning percentage will host the club with the tenth. To me, I'm on the fence about this because I feel as if if these guys play 70, 60, how many games they plan on playing this upcoming season, if they win this many games and they earn a spot they earn, I believe that team should have every right just to go to the playoffs. I believe that should be how it's worked. That's how it's always worked. I mean, there's nothing wrong with change, but I just feel as if that's that's kind of unfair to a team that has played well enough to be there the entire season, but has one or two bad nights and they lose. Now, but with that being said, 
it is also very possible that the team behind them with the worst record just had a harder stretch of games. You know, they had a couple off nights. But in reality, they're the better team than this team that's ahead of them by one or two seeds. So all of that is possible. That's why I said I'm on the fence about it. I don't really feel like I'm against it, but I don't feel like I'm fully with it, if that makes sense. But at the same time, I think I think it should just stay how it is, you know, one through eight. Let these guys earn their spots. I mean, you're still earning it by doing this, but one or two games, man, I mean, that's a lot. That's a, that's very little, I mean, to say, because a lot can happen in one or two game stretches, man. But who knows? They know more than I, clearly. <laughs> but anyways, we're going to get into some, some of these trades that occurred recently. And I'm gonna, I usually do a winner and loser, but I don't think it was no loser, man. I, th- I think the, the top three trades that I seen ex- were all winners to me. And I'm going to start off with the obvious one with the Milwaukee Bucks. Going out again, I, I was watching Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. And I, I would disagree with a lot of things Skip say, man, but I think he was completely wrong about this. He says the the Bucks only got a little better. To me, that's completely false. The Bucks got a lot better because for one, Bugney, Bugney, let's not let's not even talk about Drew Holiday for a second. Bogdan Bogdanovic, I, I hope I pronounced his name right, is an absolute sniper and can shoot from anywhere on the floor. We're talking about a guy who would come in and instantly become this team's best shooter from the perimeter. And it's, it's not even going to be close. I mean, outside of Kyle Korver, who is one of the greatest three-point shooters ever, but he's going to come in and be, he's going to be an instant upgrade over Dante DiVincenzo. I don't know why Skip is so high on Dante DiVincenzo because I've, I've seen this. He was I'll give it to him. He was good at Villanova, man. I mean, I, he was a dog, but... I just wasn't seeing it consistently on the next level, man. I mean, to me, he's young still. He's 23. He can be better. I'm not I'm not saying he can't. But it's certain players you look at and you look at and you be like, man, does this guy really want to work and be be better or be great? And each and every game I ever watched him play, he played. It was almost as if he was playing nervous or like the lights is too bright for him. And to me, playing in a small market like Milwaukee, and you're still feeling that kind of pressure, or at least appear to be feeling that kind of pressure. I don't know how much mentally stronger you can get. Because I, I I know, like I said, I know you're young, but this is a guy who's been playing basketball his entire life. Like How, how much more keyed in can he become? I mean, it's not like he's dealing with media criticism. He's a role player, so it's not like he has that to overcome. He's a guy who's literally just asked to give 18 to 22 minutes a game and get, put up good numbers. He was, he was not doing that consistently, man. He was a he was one of the Bucks more reliable role players in terms of like what they the production they asked from him. So to me, I just think it's 
I just think that was in the best interest of the, the Bucks trade to go out and get a guy like this because, like I said, he's a shooter, man. I mean, you can't have too many shooters in this league, especially when you got a guy like Giannis who dr- drives. And him kicking his drive into Chris Middleton and Buck Giannis now and Brooke Lopez. I mean, we're talking we're talking about a team full of space spaces. So now you now there is no just clogging the lane up. No, you. They, of course, teams are still going to play the drive first because your first priority is to stop Giannis, and you're going to dare the guys to beat you. But now nah, that just got a little bit harder. And then I'm going to talk on Drew Holiday. Speaking on Drew Holiday now. Drew Holiday, man, point blank player, period, is better than Eric Bledsoe. I like both players. I thought Eric Bledsoe was extremely underrated, especially when he was with the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. I thought he was really undervalued. But Drew Holiday, I've been saying for the past three, four years, is the most underappreciated and underrated player this league has. We're talking about a guy who gives you 20 a night, six around six steals and five rebounds a game, and take on your best perimeter player, regardless of one, one, two, or three, and give him a difficult time and hold him. I mean, especially guards. Damian Lillard, one of the most prolific scorers in our league, has came out and expressed his and voiced his opinion about how it was robbery that he didn't even make an all-NBA defensive team. So when you have that, the respect from your teammates, not teammates, but your peers like that, it speaks a lot about a guy. And I I know, like I said, I know Skip was trying to say it's not that big of a difference between him and Eric Bledsoe, but it is that big of a difference. Because for one, I'm going to give two reasons. One, if you look at the numbers themselves, Drew... Not yes, I'm sorry. Drew gives you five more points per game. He gives you two more assists per game, and he gives you one more rebound per game on all his better shooting percentages. That's a huge difference. People gonna look listen to that and be like, oh, that's that's not a big difference. These are averages. So that means on a nightly consistent basis, he's gonna at least, at the very least, give me Five more points, two rebounds, I mean, two assists and another rebound while showing better from the perimeter. Because if you watch the playoffs, man, the Heat dared Eric Bledsoe to shoot. He couldn't, he couldn't cast the checks. He couldn't make shots. So when I'm looking at that, I'm like, if they get Drew Holiday these same looks in the postseason, whoever they play, he going to burn you more times than, he gonna, than he's not. So, I definitely believe it is a significant upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe, the last two times I've seen him in the playoffs, he struggled mightily. The last time I seen Drew in the playoffs, he enhanced his game. I mean, he played exceptionally well against the Blazers on both ends. So, it's not like you're just getting the defensive side. You're getting both ends of the floor. I think they got a lot better, man. And we're going to look at the <clears throat> the Trailblazers. I thought they had a very underrated trade for Robert Covington. In exchange, they gave up two first-round picks, one for 2020, one for 2021, and they gave up Trevor Reza. But this is a player they needed. I've said on multiple occasions that if the Blazers could get a two-way wing player 
this team will be that much better. And that's exactly what they went out and got. Robert Covington isn't the biggest name. He isn't the most statistical, successful player. But he's going to come in. Off of rip, he's going to be their best wing defender. And he's going to be exactly what they need on the offensive end because he's a good spot-up shooter and he can get to the basket. I mean, not at a consistent not at a consistent clip, but he could be the guy off the dribble here and there. But that's exactly what they need, man. I mean, I, I thought that was something they mightily needed against the Lakers because they simply had no answer for LeBron James. I mean... I know they had Melo on them, but Melo struggled mightily to the point they put Gary Trent Jr. on them, and that was just absolutely horrible. So Robert Covington comes in. He may not be a, a lockdown defender anymore, but it is a, this is a guy who is an all-NBA, former all-NBA defensive player. So he's going to come in and be a significant upgrade when guarding dudes like that. And to me, they 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 desperately needed that, man. And I'm I'm so glad they finally realized they needed that. Cause they needed that for the for the last, to me, two, three seasons. I know they had Trevor Reza, but let's face it, he he's just not the same player. He's not he's not from a health perspective or a producing perspective. He's not. That last season he had with the Rockets, hopefully he can find something again with them. But that last season he had with the Rockets, seeing the tap them, tap him out. He he's not the same guy. But at the end of the day, I think the Trailblazers got an absolute steal, and it was a, a huge need, a huge need. I can't stress that enough. It was a huge need for them. And then we go finally finish it out, talk it off with the Suns. To me, I thought the Suns. Didn't necessarily need Chris Paul or another backcourt player because I, I thought Ricky Rubio was. I think Ricky Rubio is a very solid and very capable starter. I think he he's not exceptionally well at scoring a ball, but he's a good enough shooter and he's a good, really good passer, almost great passer. The only reason I don't say he's not a great passer is because he. He is. He does make mistakes sometimes, and he does have some really crazy turnovers. I mean, every person who passes the ball is going to have them, but he he has them to the point where it's a very consistent issue, and that's the problem when it becomes a problem when it's a consistent issue. But nonetheless, Rubio to me is a very capable starter, and to me, he could have been this starter for the next season, but at the same time. He's no Chris Paul, man. He's no Chris Paul. Chris Paul is by far the better scorer, by far the better defender. He's going to come in. He's going to mentor and take these young players under their wings and make them better. Like, he's going to be what he was to DeAndre Ayton to what he was for DeAndre Joy. He's going to come in. He's going to make this young guy exceed expectations and play up to his talent. Devin Booker... He's only going to benefit from this as well because he can learn from other guy who's been doing it for so long at such a high level for so long. He can mentor him, help coach him up a little bit, show him what some things a defense is going to throw at him, how he could adjust, what plays to make, what to do, when to be the, when to give the ball up, do a give and go, all these things. Chris Paul, he 
You you could look at what he did for OKC and say say Alexander. He did an exceptionally job for him, exceptional job for Robbie. Like I already said, he did the same thing for DeAndre Jordan. He could do it for DeAndre Ayton. And with Mikael Bridges and Cameron Johnson, all of a sudden this team looks pretty darn good. It looks good. I mean, I don't know if this the I don't know if they made the playoffs. I know a lot of people have them making the playoffs. I think they can. I think they can sneak in through that sixth or eighth seed. But I don't I'm not I'm not saying they're locks yet, man, because it's still a lot of good teams out of the West. Of course you got the top. Lakers and Los Angeles Clippers. Then you got the Nuggets. Then you got the Warriors who are going to be healthy. Then you got the Jazz. Then, excuse me. Then you got the Jazz. Then you might still have OKC. The Spurs, regardless of how it goes down, the Spurs going to always make some kind of noise. Then you got the Trailblazers. And you can't count out Memphis either. So, it's going to be some teams they're going to have to go through. But as it stands now, they could, it's very possible they could beat the Spurs. It's very possible they could beat the Blazers. It's very possible they could beat, <clears throat> excuse me, they could beat the Jazz. Very possible. I mean, it's, it's not impossible. They could, they could definitely do it. But we're going to see, man. I mean, it's going to be an exciting season coming up as always because, you know, free agency hit us with another atomic bomb. But I want to thank you all for tuning in once again to the show. I hope you all stay through the entire listening. I hope you are bare with the barking in the background at times. But be sure to tune in again. Like and subscribe if you're listening to this on YouTube. And be sure to click that bell so whenever I do post content, you'll always know. And I'll see you all in the next one.